podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The tenth time they've made it! They've won a playoff campaign! And they've done it at Wembley! And for the first time in 74 years, Brentford will play in the top flight of English football! And he puts it in! Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Eden Road podcast where on this evening's show we're going to be previewing the big game for Brentford at least against Chelsea down at the GTEC on Saturday. Just before we get going though, if you haven't already listened to our West Ham full-time show, go do so now. The episode is live across all platforms and it was actually really fun to record. I know it's a bit all doom and gloom around Brentford at the moment, but it was a full house, lots of laughs, talked about the game, the refereeing decisions, where we are in terms of the relegation picture. So yeah, do go check that out before listening to this preview. Tonight, though, delighted to be joined by Nick from That Chelsea Podcast. First of all, Nick, thanks so much for taking the time to come on, mate. I hope you're doing well. Yeah, man, not bad. It's been uh, been an, uh, another eventful week uh, following Chelsea Football Club, as it always tends to be, but happy to be on. Good stuff, good stuff. Before we get into the game and the preview and all we're going to talk about, subscribe to the YouTube channel, Spotify channel, leave a rating as well, and also give us a follow on our socials. That's at the Eden Road on Twitter and at Eden Road Pod on Instagram. Right, first of all, Nick, we kind of mentioned it off camera, I think... I know it was last weekend and Chelsea fans must be a bit bored of talking about it. Um, but I think we should just briefly touch on the League Cup final. Lots being made about Gary Neville's comments, whether they're fair and they're true. Um, I was actually thinking after the game that the final will have given Poch a lot of positives with the fact that Chelsea had a lot of chances to win the game. I know it's, it might be a bit difficult to look past that sort of in the first week of it happening. But just kind of immediate reaction to it, the fallout, how, how are you feeling? Um. Yeah, I think it, it helps now, but it, it's a bit less raw. The, t- the time has passed since then. Um, look, in the immediate aftermath, the reality is, if you kind of looked about it, Chelsea fans would not have even been mentioning Maurizio Pochettino's name had that game been over and been done in the 90 minutes, because I don't think Chelsea fans could have any issue at all with Maurizio Pochettino. But what, for what occurred in the 90 minutes, I think Chelsea played all right. They, you know had chances to score right at the end of him the last 20 minutes is the first time we really really got on top of liverpool um they said you know could have in regulation time liverpool could also have scored it was one of those but you kind of felt as the game went on it would favor chelsea and chelsea would go on to win it's just why what happened in extra time was so incredibly frustrating Maurizio pochettino has said that it was not a tactical approach to play like that um is which then asks more questions. He then says the players are tired, but then doesn't really make sense when Liverpool are depleted themselves. Have played three days prior. Chelsea's had an eight-day break, so if they're tired, then does that lead to question about Mauricio Pochettino and his training methods, etc.? How the players are that tired after an eight-day break? Just a lot of questions. You know, if they were sort of the players were sort of self-consciously also you know subconsciously playing for penalties, why was Poch not able to to get a reaction out of them and? And, and rouse them to go again, given that they'd been so close to, to winning it in the 90. You just compare, you know, the reaction Klopp got on the opposite touchline to for his Liverpool players. So it was just one with a lot of leaving a lot of questions. And just given the way that Chelsea played next time to lose in that manner was just incredibly, incredibly frustrating. I think there are ways to lose football matches and the way Chelsea ended up losing that Carabao Cup final on Sunday was certainly not one of them. You mentioned Poch quite a lot there, and I can kind of kind of got a reading on maybe where you are with him. But just just before I get onto like Poch, bigger picture, important to bounce back yesterday and what was on paper a tricky game against Leeds, high flyers in the Championship. There's also the added spice because it's Leeds, bit of a rivalry there. Um, you'd imagine a loss at home last night would have ramped that pressure properly up. So I know it wasn't the best of performances, but definitely one where the performance doesn't really matter in so far as just get through to the next round. 
and make sure you're still in with a chance of winning silverware. So so it was it was a big result last night. How are you feeling after the game yesterday against Leeds? Honestly, just relieved that I didn't have to watch another 30 minutes of it. Um, <laughs> it was not an enjoyable watch. I mean, Leeds, Leeds outplayed us in the second half. You know, they, they look like a premiership team. We look like a championship team. It's a bizarre thing with Chelsea and starting halves of football incredibly slowly. Um, yeah, last night was just about getting business done. Again, you know, understandably, I'm kind of more, you know, more willing to, to accept players being tired when they've, you know, they've had a short turnaround and a three-day turnaround. And it was... Yeah, it, I think all of us kind of feared it was going to be like a tough game, especially given the manner of how Chelsea lost on Sunday. You know, it's it's different to just losing a league game. This that was losing a cup final and how you get the players up for it. Um, and look, it, it was a really bizarre game. I don't think Chelsea were very good, but all three goals they scored were really nice, well-worked goals. It was just moments of, uh, of brilliance from Chelsea that sort of helped them get over the line. And it's one of those said it's it's cup football. It doesn't really matter how you get through as long as you get through. And said Chelsea, you know, it, it just gave life to Chelsea season because it, it would have been unthinkable for Chelsea to have lost yesterday and Chelsea season effectively feel over in, mm. in February. It would have been, yeah, it would have been very grim. And, and Conor Gallagher, uh, you know, just saved our season last night at the death. And, you know, with, with Leicester in the next round of the cup as well, there's a, there's a good chance Chelsea will be back at, back at Wembley. So, yeah, last night, it was not a great performance, really. Not many players probably stood out for Chelsea, um, but they got they got the result. Yeah, a lot, still a lot of questions to ask, you know, particularly about what went on in that second half because that was really, really poor. But they got over the line, they got through to the cup and said, that's all that really matters. It's now, you know, turning attention to to Brentford and, and Newcastle before that Leicester, Leicester Cup tie. Uh, talk to me about Poch. Where are with you? Where, where are you with him? Um, how, how would you assess his first season at Chelsea? And then I kind of got some wider questions around that afterwards. But where, where are you with, with Maurizio Pochettino? Um, yeah, look, it, it's been an interesting season. It's let me get out from the start. It's clearly been a lot better than last season. Chelsea, even if Chelsea's league position does not really reflect a clear improvement on last season, Chelsea's performances in general have been a lot better than last season. Chelsea have been able to score goals more easily than last season. They still have struggled to score goals at points, but they have been better. They have been better at, at scoring goals this season. They have been better to watch in general than they were last season. With Poch, it's just a really we're kind of in a weird place where it's almost feels that the cup competitions are kind of salvaging this season, really, the fact that we are Chelsea in 11, but also just the nature of the Premier League table. It's so hard to really work out. It feels like Chelsea have been in a, in a, are still in a, in a race for Europe, despite being 11th. We'll say we're only about two points off or three points off seventh place. So it is, it is still tight, but it's, uh, yeah, I think the, the feeling with Poch is just quite, indifferent really i think you know there's a lot of people who'd be happy for him to go at the end of the season and i think there's i don't think there's necessarily people desperate for him to stay on poch i and the current uh, life at chelsea i honestly don't think if you replace him like you things drastically mm -hmm. improve at chelsea to be honest i don't think right now at chelsea football club any coach is set up to succeed i think they're set up to fail more or less than their predecessor just depending on how you know well they manage to, to deal with with the situation that, that they have in front of them but yeah, it's it's been a it's been a, an interesting season. The cups have kind of just given Poch some some life and some some just you know been, a, been come at crucial points to sort of try and ease some of the ease some of the pressure on him. It's been yeah, it's been a been an interesting season. And I'm not sure we'll see Maurizio Pochettino in the dugout Chelsea next season. I think a lot of it does depend on how Chelsea do in the FA Cup and if if he's able to secure a form of European qualification for Chelsea. But as I said last night, despite going through, did not do anything. To, to help sort of his doubters just due to the nature of the performance. But yeah, it's better than last season, but 
you know, whether it will be anything long term, we still got to wait and see. In terms of that next manager coming in and what they're going to inherit, if if Poch were to go, you mentioned about how it's kind of you don't know if they're going to be any better or any worse just because of the the wider picture at Chelsea in terms of the the change in structure from the Abramovich days. Are Chelsea fans ready for what the next five years could look like? Because from an outside perspective, it's like Chelsea, the most successful club in the last decade in England. And the new owners have come in, they've brought all these young players. Is there a manager out there that's going to come in and provide the success that Chelsea fans are used to in the short turnarounds and the quick managerial merry-go-round that comes in you win for trophy the manager goes you win trophy the manager goes are Chelsea fans ready for like a complete sort of upheaval in that if you stick with Pochettino you're going with the process and the rebuild but if you choose another manager you don't know if you're going to get success straight away and it's just going to be the same kind of thing do you, do you see what I'm kind of trying to say yeah yeah no completely I think I think Chelsea fans honestly are, are like willing to be patient I mean Chelsea fans I think were pretty patient with Graham Potter last season all things Considered, and I said, I think you know the mood in terms of Pochettino is nowhere near as toxic as it got. You know, towards the end of Grand Potter, we're nowhere near. I don't think we're at that stage yet. We are in that unhealthy situation where it does almost feel that every game under Poch is sort of some referendum, one way or another. I think Chelsea fans are willing to be patient. I think the reason there's probably just frustration and a sense of apathy is because Chelsea have spent, you know, one billion pounds. Like that is a lot of money, and there's a question <laughs> to how wisely that has been spent. Um, I think we can, you know, I think a lot of Chelsea fans c- can certainly get behind some of the signings that they've been made in the likes of Cole Palmer, Malo Gusto, Nicholas Jackson is showing promise. I think Chelsea fans, you know, they're quite happy. I think it's just the, stru- the strategy is just a bit, it would be nice bit of refinement. I said in the summer, there was, you know, we talked Chelsea won't sign anyone over the age of 24. Like, no, I think it was quite naive to think that this Chelsea team really could do great things without much experience. Raheem Sterling is one of Chelsea's most senior players in this Chelsea team. Ben Chilwell is another and he's, you know, is injured quite a bit. Thiago Silva, the other most senior player, and he obviously can't speak English very well and is is likely off the MC. There's not much experience in the Chelsea team. And I think there's just a sense of frustration that where Chelsea were when they took over and how far Chelsea, I guess, have regressed. I don't think any of us saw it going like this. I think a lot of us kind of knew... But when this new team came in and just due to the fact that at the time in that summer, we were already losing Tony Rudiger, Andreas Christensen. I think that kind of been partly uh, happened due to the sanctions uh, placed on us uh, at the time. And I think a lot of us kind of knew it was going to probably going to take a step back. I think it's just the way Chelsea have just fallen off so far that we kind of went from we were a team that were kind of amongst Europe's elite. And now mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're just, you know, desperate to clamber into any form of European football and also just the fact that you just small things I said you kind of see just small things but for example ticket prices last night in the FA Cup that's Leeds is 38 pound a ticket previous regime that's about 25 30 pound it's just really small price differences again there's there's been massive price hikes in certain areas of the stadium which basically means mm-hmm. that you know there's less tickets available just due to the fact that you know people aren't willing to spend 120 240 quid to watch a Premier League you know watch a Premier League game against certain opponents there is frustration there I think there is as well and the new ownership probably haven't helped themselves when they kind of spoke about how poorly Chelsea were run you know by the by the old regime and look they were not necessarily entirely wrong because Chelsea under the old regime you know towards the end were not brilliantly run but when you kind of say those comments you've then kind of got to probably hit the ground running and and essentially have something more to show than two of we currently stand two two you know bottom half finishes uh two seasons in and nothing really to show for it um so I think Chelsea fans are willing to be 
patient and willing to be settled. But obviously, they kind of just want to see more than they've seen than they've seen right now. As I said, you what's so bizarre and frustrating about watching this Chelsea team is you see what that performance they put in at Aston Villa and that replay in the FA Cup, and no one's expecting Chelsea to go there and get a result and performance. And they put that in, and they're brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And then you look at them last night, and they're getting outplayed by Championship side leads in the second half, and it's just been so inconsistent with Chelsea. And I think people people are just kind of just tired and yeah i think it's just a, i guess just a general sense of fatigue it's been two seasons that have just not been very enjoyable and two seasons where have just been a mess i think the owners admit will admit themselves that they majorly messed up and, and got last season wrong i mean going through two managers in a season and then getting frank lampard at interim was it was a nice attempt to try and you know get some of that love back from the fans but that interim appointment turned out pretty disastrously as well it's <laughs> I think Chelsea fans are kind of, you know, ready to sort of, you know, I think Chelsea fans want, are willing and want to, you know, believe in a project. But also it's quite hard when you've not been used to a project. And when you hear then examples going, oh, we want to be like Arsenal, we want to be like Liverpool, etc. But then you also then see their actions probably aren't really matching what those two clubs necessarily did at the same time. So it's, yeah, it's just a feeling of just just frustration, tiredness, I guess. Yeah, it's... I said, I, I think Chelsea fans are willing and uh, to give them, you know, I deserve some more, probably more credit than they get, you know, just being called spoiled, entitled, etc. No, I think Chelsea fans are understanding the situation and realising it's not like it once was. But also, I think, understandably, they'd like a, they'd like a bit more, you know, than, they, than they've got in these two seasons so far. And I think that's completely understandable because right now, can, I don't think any Chelsea fan can confidently say when they next think Chelsea will be playing in the Champions League again. Hmm. No, you make some. You do make some good points. It's all about tempering those expectations, and they're different. They're different at Chelsea than they are to other clubs. And the the last regime, the expectations were sky high. So it's it's. I can see. I can see the frustration. And I, I want to ask you a question that someone asked me when I was doing a preview podcast the other week, and it's a really good one. Um, I, I thought it was interesting. One game that sums Chelsea up this season at their best, and one game at their worst. Uh, one game at their best, one game at their worst. I'm trying to think if there's a game that encapsulates both as well. Because they're probably <laughs> a Chelsea game that encapsulates them both. Um, their best, I mean, I'd have to say their best was the Aston Villa Cup replay, but that was also it feels like such a almost a one-off because that was a level of performance I don't think Chelsea fans have seen since that sort of heroic defeat at the Bernabeu uh, mm. a couple of years ago under Thomas Tuchel. So, in terms of, I mean, a performance that sums up Chelsea at worst, I could give you a, a numerous list of examples. There's been some clangers. Man United away, despite this 2-1 scoreline, is probably one of the worst. Um, Liverpool at Anfield was poor. Newcastle, that second half capitulation was poor. Like, there's, there's been, I mean, even the game against you earlier in the example was sort of, you know, Chelsea controlling a game, you know, not creating loads, but being in relative position of comfort and not being in too much danger and all of a sudden finding themselves behind and looking clueless and devoid of ideas how to get back into it before succumbing um so yeah a game that sums up the best of Chelsea is I mean yeah I will say we'll say Aston Villa is the best of Chelsea um and then the worst I've, yeah there's probably more examples than, than the best which also kind of says a lot yeah I was I really wasn't expecting the the Aston Villa result I have to say that that, that came out of nowhere I want, I want to talk about some some players um Moises Caicedo from the outside looking in I know he gets a lot of stick from pundits and stuff but I actually do see Chelsea fans saying that he's kind of made this scapegoat from from the mainstream media and the Chelsea fans are watching week in, week out. Obviously, he hasn't maybe shown the £100 million that he's worth, but like, how can a player do that? I suppose maybe Declan Rice has shown that at Arsenal, but 
he's not been as bad as people say he's been. Would that be fair to say? Oh, no, absolutely. I, I 100% agree. I agree on that. As I said, it needs, it's basically going to be impossible for him to to justify that price tag. And also, I think what probably helps the Declan Rice situation as well, his Arsenal team are actually doing well as well. Yeah, like they are yeah. in the Champions League, they're in a title race. Moises Caicedo plays for a team that are in 11th place. So regardless of how well he's playing, people can go Chelsea 11th place. He's been he's been good. He has been, you know, good. He started off slowly at Chelsea. Uh, understand he didn't really have much of a preseason, had a bit of injury, etc. But in the last couple of months, he's been one of Chelsea's best players. Without a doubt, I think one of the ring things that people just use as a stick to back, bash him in to a, they have a certain point to it. He does he does put in some pretty poor tackles and get some poor yellow cards. He, you know, and those tackles that get obviously pick up the yellow cards get highlighted and sometimes very early in games, and it's just easy for people to then to just latch onto that they see but no he has been he's been very good for Chelsea he has certainly been out of you know the midfield duo of him and Enzo Fernandez I certainly think he's been the more impressive of the pair this season and yeah look he's been he's been good and it's I think it is very easy just to it, like understand me like Chelsea were for, for the previous 20 or so years kind of ruined a lot of people's fun and they've ruined a lot of people's people's good time so right now when they can use Chelsea as a, a punching bag I think a lot of people are also Using this as a time to, to cash in on that, but no, Moises Caicedo has been has been has been a very good signing for Chelsea. He said he's never going to justify that 100 million pound price tag unless he would stay here for 10 years and Chelsea, you know, end up winning winning loads of stuff. But no, he's been he's been certainly a good signing, and he's certainly been one of Chelsea's best players the last couple of months. Would you say Enzo Fernandez because you've signed both of them for basically 100 mil for both of them? Um, would you would you say that you want to see either of the two play with another midfield pairing? And as a, as a follow up, would you would you would you kind of say that because you've paid so much money for both of them, are you kind of hamstrung by the price tag? Like if Maurizio Pochettino doesn't play them, then it's then it's going to look really bad. <laughs> Do you know what, you see what I mean? Yeah, no. Look, honestly, I think them as a, as a duo is good. I think one of the issues Poch has had is actually positioning, like playing them in, in great yeah. great positions. Like he bizarrely attempted points of the season playing uh, like Enzo Fernandez as like a ten. Like no, it's. He is best sort of playing when him and Enzo, uh, when him and Moises Caicedo are close to each other. That is like when Chelsea have had, you know, the best best performances out of him. No, those two as a duo, you know, are good. Obviously, you know, you would probably like just understand these, like, like some more, but those two are not the reason why Chelsea find themselves in 11th place. You know, there's a lot of reasons why Chelsea find themselves in 11th place, but those two, you know, are not, are not a significant factor as why Chelsea are in 11th place. You know, there's a lot of other just contributing factors to this team but why they probably find themselves where they are but no those two have you know been a good a good pairing I think it probably what doesn't help their case and probably why they get some flack is they've perhaps been outshined by Conor Gallagher this season so if, you know the academy boy who plays up in front of them that's probably again just something easy for for people from the outside to latch on to but you know when Conor Gallagher is impressing you know week in week out nearly and he's sort of one captain's arm bad at points but he has been the more impressive and he costs nothing of those two cost over 200 million combined that's again another easy yeah thing to, to to hit them with but no them two as a as a duo is obviously i think certainly the way way forward for chelsea and i think you know they they will be big players for chelsea moving forward without a doubt talk to me a little bit about Conor gallagher you just mentioned him there obviously he's captain chelsea this season he's always picked for england who's been one of your best players this season but maybe isn't mentioned sort of up there with the best english midfielders in this country how impressed have you been with him this season? What does he need to add to his game to take him to the next level in terms of being mentioned with those names? Oh, I mean, look, Con Gallagher's certainly been, yeah, a, a nice surprise this season. I think last season, he was not anywhere near as sort of bad as a lot of maybe Chelsea fans thought made him out to be. Like, I thought he was fine. It was a different role for him. And this year, he has certainly thrived under 
Maurizio Pochettino, in terms of what he needs to add to his game, I, look, I mean, he's adding it. In this last month, we've kind of seen him adding goals mm -hmm. to his game. That was the one thing missing. I think it was, I can't remember the stat, but he was in, like, out of all Europe's top five leagues, he was in the top for, like, speed, all these certain, like, all-round stats. And it was basically just his lack of goals coming. Obviously, it would have been nice if he'd, he'd had some of that on, on show at Wembley on Sunday with a couple of chances that he missed. But, like, it, it's obviously tough. There's, in this country, there's a lot of talented midfielders, and Conor Gallagher is a very good player. And I just don't, I do not think he's the level of those players, but that's not, you know, that's just more a, a compliment of how good those other midfielders are. Would look, would Conor Gallagher be starting at Manchester City or Liverpool? No, probably not. I mean, maybe Liverpool can bear the current injury mm -hmm. crisis and, you know, maybe some others, but he certainly would not be playing at a Manchester City, but, you know, because he's not that type of player. But he's a, he is a good player and he's a, you know, maybe sure people go where well, he wouldn't go into past Chelsea side of past year, but none of this lot would have really, none of this lot really would have. Um, he, he's. Palm, Palmer is too early days. Palmer is too early days, but yeah, we do, we do, we do like Cole Palmer. Uh, that was a one signing I was very, very wrong on. Um, but no, look, Connor's, Connor's doing well. As I said, you know, I think if he obviously just talking England, like he, I imagine like if he keeps up, he'll go to the Euros. I imagine just given the strength and quality England have got, he would be, you know, a squad player. He's not going to displace Stu Bellingham in that England time any soon. He's not going to be replacing Phil Foden, etc. It's more a case of like, should he be, you know, getting those minutes ahead of someone like a Jordan Henderson, a Calvin Phillips. Um, and yes, obviously he should, but you know, we know what Gareth Southgate's like, but that's a, that's a separate, that's a separate it's conversation. A separate but no, he's, 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 <laughs> yeah, he's doing very, he's doing, he's doing very well for Chelsea and he's, he, look, if you're doing a Chelsea player of the season, it's, you know, it's probably maybe Cole Palmer's edged him out a little bit, but you know, Conor Gallagher would certainly be in the running. To talk to me about Cole Palmer, last of the players that I want to rattle through, um, obviously he's had such an amazing season and he's kind of the bright spark in that team. Even at, even at Wembley, he was kind of the only one I felt when I was watching it that he wasn't kind of playing the occasion to use the, to use the cliche, but he looked unfazed by the fact that it was a big final, um, whereas maybe other players did. How good has he been this season? Well, we all know how good he's been, but just like, did you, did you expect when you signed this player from City for him to hit the levels that he's hit. Because I'm kind of looking at it now. And I, I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were kind of thinking, they were, they were saying, do you think Pep Guardiola regrets selling Cole Palmer? And I'm probably thinking no, because City are just a different animal and, you know, it's pure profit to them being an academy product. So we, we could talk about that as well in terms of selling academy players. But again, that's a whole other podcast. But just Cole Palmer, what, how, how have you assessed him this season? Yeah, well, I mean, I was not, I was not thrilled with his forty million pound signing on deadline day, purely just because I think the prior to that he played about, he barely played football. He probably played about forty senior games of football in his career, and I was going, he's under like an under twenty one international, and I was going, oh great, the last thing this Chelsea side needs is more players who haven't played a great amount of football. But what he had to him, he was he was coached under Pep, and he he had a lot of time training with Pep and being in that environment, and he like very quickly established himself in this Chelsea team as one of the one of the key players to this team. He has been Chelsea's best attacking outlet this season. Um, he has been, you know, I think you kind of compare the numbers to all the sort of the young players around his age group in Europe, and he is certainly, you know, up there as well. Yeah, a, a really nice, a really nice signing, a signing I was very, very wrong about, and I'm very pleased to have been uh, wrong about. Uh, he is best when he's deployed out on the right. Um, Pochettino has had some bizarre, again, fascination with playing him as a false nine at points, which it just completely wastes him doesn't get the best out of him at all. Um, sometimes also plays a bit century, which, you know, again, does not quite get the best out of him. But he is, you know, going back to the England conversation, he's absolutely 100% someone who should be, you know, in, in that Euro squad for the summer. Again, whether or not how big a role he plays just due to the, you know, quality England having that side is another matter. But no, he's been, he's been brilliant. He's been one of Chelsea's best players of the season. And, you know, he is, you know, as the Chelsea... Chelsea fans seeing sign him up for eight more years because they, they are, you know, in love with him. He is, he's great. And I think there's always something really nice about just watching sort of a left footer as well. Like I think there's just something about aesthetic as well. But 
no, he, he's ve he's very technically gifted. Um, he is, you know, great, great, great at penalties, uh, which is which has been nice. Um, and and I think the beauty of, of Cole Palmer is there's moments in games where you know periods in games where you just don't notice him and don't notice him on pitch, and then all of a sudden he he will just have that decisive action that can just win Chelsea a game. He's you know he obviously has had games where he's been profligate profligate in front of goal, but a lot of the time he's quite an efficient footballer, which mm -hmm. is also something really nice. Which is efficiency is not necessarily something you'd associate with with Chelsea players, but he is certainly one of those who is who's been efficient. He's been you know without doubt a brilliant signing and and certainly someone for this you know. While while the situation and the you know the overall current position of Chelsea Football Club is not great, he's certainly someone to you know to to build this team around and to click you know put a lot of hopes on. Then he can be hopefully be the person to to lead this side and help this side uh, you know achieve some good things in the future. Well, obviously he's going to start on the weekend. In terms of that front four that Brentford are going to come up against, do you expect it to be the same as Leeds? With I think Mudrick was in a kind of ten role against Leeds, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He, played, he played centrally. Yeah. Um, it's a tough. It's quite a tough one because obviously Conor Gallagher was rested for that. It, again, I'm trying to work on Mochi Pochettino's team. Raheem Sterling was not great against Leeds, but he got an assist. He was not amazing against Liverpool, but he's one of those senior players. I think obviously Nicholas Jackson will start up top, and he's been you know pretty good for Chelsea this season. Ten goals in all competitions. His first season, he's you know he was originally a winger and he'd only been playing sort of a striker role the last year or so. So he's he's doing well there. So I imagine Jackson up top. Palmer would be uh, out, out out on the right. I'd imagine. Um, Look, it, it depends how what Poch Poch decides. It does he does he go for Gallagher uh, in the middle, uh, sort of just behind, or does he go Mudrick there? You know, Mudrick is obviously you know tended to be put out of the wing, and I think when he did go out to the wing yesterday, he was a bit less effective. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's quite tough. I mean, you, you're looking at wing options, and they're not necessarily the most appealing. Noni Madueke, you know, plays a key part in two goals yesterday, but you're still kind of watching that game, wondering, you know, actually how good was he? So, yeah, in terms of that front four, I'd imagine it's maybe Sterling left wing. You've got sort of Gallagher in the 10, uh, Palmer on the right, uh, and Jackson up top. But as I said, I'd only be confident of calling sort of two, two, two maybe three of those four and said who it could be Sterling up left. It could be Mudrick on the left. Uh, who knows? Just let's let's talk about the game specifically. Just a couple of questions on it before we wrap up. I, I want to go back to the reverse fixture and maybe the previous games in which this Chelsea side have found it frustrating to play against Brentford. What, why have Chelsea found it so difficult to play against Brentford in recent times? And with the view that it is going to be a very different game on Saturday because we have insisted on playing a back five and I expect us to play a back five again. But in terms of that low block and how efficient we were at Stamford Bridge and how efficient we've been at Stamford Bridge, we are missing so many key players, the, the main one being Brian and Bumo. We lose so much threat on the counter. So we might be able to soak up pressure from Chelsea in the ways that we did at the bridge, but we're not going to be able to counter in the same way. And that's something that we've, we've lost. But what, what is it about Brentford that has been frustrating for Chelsea the last few times we played you well I think what the good thing about this picture is it is it is a Vegetex where we have we've you know we've actually done all right against yeah. you obviously that one nil win in your first season which was I mean Edward Mendy had the game of his life and then obviously the Carabao Cup quarter final there before the before the I, I the pretty uneventful nil nil last year which I just remember more for, for Thomas Rank and Graham Potter you know asking each other questions <laughs> in the build-up more than anything else about the actual game but um what I mean I said I'm I'm I go back to that first game, the four-one win you had at Stamford Bridge. Is again, it was just such a bizarre game because it was, I think, it was nil-nil at half time, and then I don't, I, I feel like we probably, again, we probably had a lot of the ball, probably didn't do much with it. Tony Rudiger just takes a pop shot, which he'd been attempting like all season up to that point. Finally, one goes in, it's a stunner, and we're going, oh my god, okay, we'll kick on from here. And then yeah, Chelsea clapped, and we're gonna, we ended up losing four-one. Um, that game was bizarre. 
the 2-0 last season is quite hard to read into because that was just Chelsea in a very bad period. A mm-hmm. team with just no confidence that had basically just, you know, all hope was lost. I think that was after, that might have been after we got knocked out by Real Madrid in the Champions League. So our season was officially basically over at that point. There was nothing to play for. But what I think was, you know, not helped. I think, you know, playing up against Brian and Buemo has not, not helped him past. I think that game last season, I think he, he got a goal in the win. I think he might have got a goal in the full one as well. And I remember it's, you, you, it's like your your pace on the counter against us in the past was quite quite deadly. I know you've had Johan Visser as well. I think he's done quite well against us. I, don't, I said, I actually don't really remember Ivan Tony necessarily doing too much against us in these games. It's more just been you hitting us sort of on the counter attack, really. And just, yeah, I think what's I said, the game of a bridge was just typical because Chelsea are quite poor at, you know, conceding set pieces and, and from crosses. And again, I think your, your opener of a bridge was a, a cross to the back post. Mm-hmm. Where you headed home, so I guess you you will still have that set piece threat, which is why we you know certainly this Chelsea team have struggled. But again, it's just yeah, it's just one of those teams. Brentford said you you caused us you know problems throughout. Said that what but even that one nil win we had at your place, you know you you, you were you should have really got a point of the very least in that game. So it's I said you're you're just but I guess yeah you you you're good defensively against us. You've tended to be good defensively against us in these games, and we've not really been able to create loads. And then Chelsea got frustrated. And then, as said, Chelsea just don't have the quality to to really defend well enough and keep clean sheets. So you've eventually had your your moment and punished us. It's yeah, it's been one of those just frustrating, predictable fixtures over the last few years. But it was yeah, it's gone from you know when you first came up, you're going okay, this should hopefully be uh, a nice three points. But uh, it, it's it's really proven not to not to be the case. So no, obviously, I think as said, it, it mentions that it helps for you that you've got no Brian and Buemo yesterday, who's certainly been a man to cause us problems um my just biggest fear is neil mope because i that man <laughs> that man is a footballer who i will be brutally honest i he i do not rate particularly highly as a premier league footballer so the idea of the thought of conceding to him just it just flashes through my head it just gives me gives me nightmares because he would just be one of those insufferable players to, to concede against and i just remember being very relieved when you got your consolation goal he ended up squaring it to to i think Abuomo to make it to yeah. he wasn't the one who scored <laughs> that day but no um i said i think You'd, without Mbwemo, the task for us gets a little bit easier. Um, but then I think Ivan Tony's been in pretty decent form since since coming back for you. It's said, it depends how good are Chelsea at dealing with set pieces. I think if Brentford gets set pieces and we're able to put balls into the box, etc., you'll be able to cause Chelsea problems. Just look back about that Carabao Cup final. Virgil van Dijk has a disallowed goal uh, you know, from a set piece and the winner comes from a set piece. Chelsea have Chelsea's Achilles heel a lot point this season has been conceding goals from set pieces. So I think, you know, Again, I look. I admittedly don't know who you've got available, but I look at that Brentford back line. I've been me, etc. I I'd imagine you've got height in that team potentially to to cause us some problems, maybe. But um, yeah, I'd say set pieces and maybe frustrating us. And if you can hit us on the counter attack, I said I'm not quite sure. You know who you necessarily got to hit us on the attack with without Embuemo. But I said this is still still a pretty handy player to to cause us some problems. Yeah, I mean we're missing Ben Mees. Looks like might be out for the season. Uh, picked up an injury okay. in the last game against West Ham. Ethan Pinnock is out to the next international, but we've got a ton of injuries. I don't want to get into the injuries, but you're right. You mentioned Brian Abumo and thinking back on it, in every single game we've played against you, he has played a huge part, I'm pretty sure. Apart from the 1-0 loss that where, apart from the first season where we lost at home in the Carabao Cup and, and you beat us 1-0 at home. Um, the games where we've played you and played well, he, he's been a thorn in your side in all of them. Um, I'm thinking back to the 4-1. I think he squares it to Ericsson to make it 2-1. He scores against you this season, last season in the two nil away. So yeah, without him, it's it's going to be tough. But it it's difficult to predict. We were kind of 
debating on our podcast whether Thomas Frank should set up in a four and match how Chelsea play or this this five at the back that we've adopted for the last what feels like the whole season. Can't remember the last time we played with a four. Um and it's it's gonna be genuine. I'm I'm normally fairly confident just because of our Premier League record against Chelsea. I mean, it's it's not too bad, especially when we play you at Stamford Bridge. Um, but this time we're in such a slump at the moment. Twelve we lost twelve of the last fifteen. If there was a if there was a time for Chelsea to get a long awaited win against Denver in the Premier League. If, if I remember correctly, when you beat us earlier in the season, you'd also had a pretty shaky start, a ropey start to the season, and then you came along and played us and then went into a decent <laughs> little bit of form. So and I feel Chelsea are the team besides if they need a if they need a team to to, to kickstart their season, we can certainly <laughs> we can certainly be that team for a lot of teams. We have done that unfortunately for, for quite a few teams, not just this season, over the past couple of seasons. So in some ways we are the ideal opponent in that respect. How are you feeling ahead of it? How are you feeling? Last question. Oh, I, I honestly don't know. I like. I, I, I try to give. I give up trying to make sense of this Chelsea team because I thought that you know, this. I said I'm more confident of the fact that it's not Stamford Bridge. Just given that your record there, you've won every single trip to, to Stamford Bridge since your return to the Premier League of the G Tech. We haven't lost there yet, and I don't think we've conceded a goal there yet either. So it's. Yeah. Um, in from that aspect, you'll be good. You will score on the weekend. We do not keep clean sheets, so you will score. You will score at least one. So then, then it's my question of: Do Chelsea score one, maybe more than one, uh, as to whether they win or, or potentially draw this game? Um, I look, it's, it, we can't complain. It's not a bad team to play at this point in time. Um, mm-hmm. But also, I'm aware that you know, I'm just, Brentford. You know, you, you can cause you you have intended to in your time of Premier League cause some of the big six problems although i'm not necessarily sure how much of the how many problems you've necessarily caused a big six this season all i can remember is probably drawing with tottenham two all on the opening day but i can't remember uh obviously just so you got you got beaten well beaten by by liverpool for one the other weekend mm-hmm. lost to city you know oh, i mean you, you you took the lead against city but their, their quality showed through and then you you i guess you 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 uh you frustrated them at the etihad for a for a period of time and then i uh don't quite know what you did against arsenal or and then United, you yeah, United. That's one of those games you you you, you talking about <laughs> United this season, that awful football team that just somehow win games of football. They're like us, but they just win games of they manage just great wins. So, look, I don't know. I do fear if we concede first. I think if you score the first goal, you've got a good chance of winning. It, it's just kind of one of those old cliches. Whoever scores first is in probably you know probably go is in a good position to win that match because I imagine if we score first, there's probably a bit of nerves and tension around that ground for you because I think after this as well, you've got quite a brutal run of fixtures coming up as well oh before. mate don't um, the, the run of fixtures got, since february yeah. has been genuinely horrific obviously and it's with, not, it's, with Everton, it's not getting any better uh 10 point deduction getting reduced as well you're kind of now just been slowly brought back into the relegation fight a little bit more as well so no it's a big game for us it's, 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 a, it's a very yeah, big game for us. absolutely and i just wonder due to the fact that i mean chelsea have played twice since you last play- oh no you played you played sorry you played monday or tuesday night monday, yeah. at west ham so we played, and mm-hmm. we just played a day or two later than you. But I mean, yeah, you can see the four goals at West Ham, which also maybe gives me some confidence because that was a West Ham side, but couldn't really, couldn't, attack wasn't really firing. Um, mm-hmm. Look, it's tough. I, if I was optimistic, I, I two one, but I honestly, I could see a draw. I could see a draw, maybe I'll take a draw. I, I draw, I'll take a draw and, every day. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd say it, 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 it wouldn't surprise me if it's a draw. I'll say optimistically, Chelsea win two one. Because it's we have a good record of a G Tech, but again, I imagine this team will be quite tired. They played at Wembley, they played at they played midweek, and Poch, you know, does not necessarily, unlike Klopp, does not necessarily rotate his team, you know, as much as if he did not. There were probably opportunities last night to maybe give some more moments to the academy kids, and he chose not to, and he decided after 
you know, saying that the players were tired or, or, or on Sunday to then, you know, give Moises, Caicedo and Enzo Fernandez another 90-minute shift uh, <laughs> yesterday. So, no, that we will wait and see. But it's, yeah, it's one of those games. Brentford are just one of those teams that are just, you know, unpredictable to, to really cool against. Um, as I said, if you were, yeah, it, we when we met, when we ran into you, the, you know, earlier on in the season, we I think we were off the back of a couple of good wins against Fulham and Burnley. And we were going, OK, maybe we'll take the, the next step here and go on a run. And then you came to town and, you know, you weren't in the best of form. You won. And we lost and you were kind of back to square one again. So, yeah, I'll say optimistically 2-1, but I, I, that's, that's, I, I don't really have much faith that will happen. I imagine it's a draw. I imagine it's a draw, which, you know, doesn't do much for Chelsea's uh, aspirations of, of qualifying for Europe through free league <laughs> position. Yeah, I think it's it's nicely poised. I, I do I do think it's nicely poised. Um, I'm not 100% confident. You're not 100% confident. I think a draw would be a safe bet, to be honest. Um, but let's hope for a good game. It's certainly, if Brentford score first, I don't think you sh- I don't think you should be worried because we have dropped 26 points from winning positions this season, which is a league high. So um, we, okay. if I think if think if we score first, don't worry. I think it's a game of who concedes less because genuinely we we are leaking goals at the moment, and it sounds like you guys aren't the best defensively. So I think. Not not a good day for defenders, but maybe a good day for the attackers. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah. If, if anyone plays FPL, I imagine put put Cole Palmer and Ivan Tony in your team for this week. Probably that's a decent shout, people. Yeah, definitely. I think that'd be a good place to wrap up, Nick. I really appreciate that. The Edinburgh podcast will be back next week, of course, to reflect on hopefully a win against Chelsea. We'll see, and also briefly look ahead to Arsenal away. Before we go, guys, remember to drop your comments below with your thoughts ahead of the Chelsea game. Subscribe to the YouTube and Spotify channels, and also give us a follow on our socials. It's at the Eden Road on Twitter and at Eden Road Pod on Instagram. Nick, that was a pleasure, mate. And yeah, good luck for Saturday. Uh, yeah, I will say good luck to you after Saturday. And hopefully uh, <laughs> if you stay up, if you stay up, then uh, we can do this a couple of times next season, maybe. So uh, yeah, no, look, I've got, I've got to say, you know, it'd be, Brentford have been a, a joy to have in the Premier League the last couple of seasons. And obviously watching them bloody knows some of the big six has been nice. So yeah, got a lot of, got a lot of time for Thomas Frank as a, as a coach, obviously hope he, hopefully he, he stays with you. Um, and yeah, you say good luck for the rest of the season after Saturday. We need this. We need this badly on Saturday to try and get European football. So I don't wish you well for Saturday. Unfortunately, unlike <laughs> you, you're, you're too polite. You're too kind. I hope you, I hope you lose badly on Saturday. But uh, you know, good luck. Good luck after that. Uh, hopefully, fair enough. Of the nice I appreciate it. Next season. I appreciate. I appreciate the honesty. <laughs> Cheers, Nick. Podcast Network.